Hi, Pastor Chuck here, and I want to say thank you for listening with us today. Hope this message from God's Word encourages you, challenges you, inspires you, and reminds you of how much God loves you. Um, we're going to be looking today at uh, Exodus chapter 2, and uh, we're going to be looking at the, uh, the story there. It's a familiar story. I know everyone's probably heard it, uh, and I want us to kind of really pay attention to uh, what God does here, how God works, and how he interacts with the people that are trusting him and looking for him to take action. <clears throat> we'll read the verses first, then we'll come back and uh, talk through them. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 says, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. So in this passage, you saw, uh, as, as I mentioned, a familiar story. This is the, the story of Moses uh, as a baby. And uh, what we didn't read in, in chapter one, at the end of or towards the end of chapter one, uh, the Bible tells us about how Pharaoh, uh, the Pharaoh that came to power then, uh, he didn't know Jacob, who you know obviously had been the second in command of Egypt at one point, who was uh, you know, the, one of the patriarchs of this this Hebrew race that was living there in Egypt. Uh, he didn't know him and, and all of that. And uh, he just saw these these Israelites as a threat. He saw them as uh, something to be cautious of. And he, in, in chapter one, he tells his advisor, he said, you know, what happens if another nation comes to attack us and all the Hebrews decide to, to side with them and they rise up against us? We could be fighting among the people that are right here with us in addition to a foreign army. He's like, we need to do something about it. And that's when they started uh, giving them tasks and labor and, and kind of forcing them into uh, to, to work, which would eventually become just full-out slavery. It probably started a little bit easier than that. It wasn't uncommon at that point in history, uh, the, the uh, historians tell us, for pe different groups of people to kind of be forced into labor to, to build some of those huge cities that you see there. Uh, in that part of the world, uh, sometimes they would uh, force uh, citizens to work a month out of the year, for example, to help build these things. And they would have other they would obviously use prisoners and use them. And they would uh, you know, people that captured in war, they would put them into use. And sometimes the, the cities got so big that they didn't have enough people to, to even go about that way. So then they just find, you know, groups of people that didn't have they were vulnerable, didn't have a way to defend themselves. They kind of forced them into labor. And that's what happened here. They, they took the Israelites and said, okay, you've got to start working. You've got to start doing this and helping out. The next thing you know, they're, they're just slaves. They're, they're there working for uh, Pharaoh and, and building the cities. It even tells us some of the cities that they uh, pretty much were responsible for building. And uh, so, <coughs> excuse me. So, uh, you know, he, he sees them as a threat. 
And as that chapter one goes on, uh, Pharaoh tells the, the midwives that are going in to help deliver the babies. He says, when you see a boy baby, I want you to kill it before you actually get it out. So the parents just, just think, oh, we lost our baby. Midwives wouldn't do that. The midwives knew that was wrong. And, and the Bible says they feared God. They, they believed in God. They trusted him. And uh, so they didn't do it. They basically came back to Pharaoh and said, all the, the women are really resilient. And every time we get there to have to deliver a baby, they've already had the baby. And uh, so they, they didn't obey. So Pharaoh's still looking for a way to try to reduce these uh, Israelite numbers. So he goes out and he tells all of his people. He says, I want, uh, if you see a, a Hebrew family that has a, a child and it's a boy, I want you to throw it in the river. Now, you remember the, the river, it's obviously being referred to there as the Nile. And that was viewed as kind of a, a sacred river. It was viewed as uh, you know, part of their pantheon of worship. And uh, so Pharaoh was kind of seeing this as a way to say, hey, we're going to offer these as sacrifices to the God. And, and we'll get blessings from this. While at the same time, he was seeing the benefit of we'll also reduce the numbers of these, uh, these people so they won't be such a threat to, to us. Um, and apparently that plan didn't work out all that well either. Um, you know, we, we see, uh, you know, even as Moses gets older, uh, that the Israelites are still you know, hard at work in slavery. And we see when Moses comes back to carry them out, the Bible describes the great numbers that they had. So clearly, even the people of, of Egypt, when Pharaoh said that, they all kind of looked at it and said, no, I'm not sure we can really do that. You know, that, that's not, uh, if they had obeyed that order uh, for as long as it took for Moses to grow up and go out to the wilderness and come back to deliver them, their numbers definitely would not have been as high as they were. So God was, was working to protect them all along. But the, the, apparently, as he made this order, there were obviously some who were enforcing that, some who were uh, vigilant in that. And so at the time that, that Moses is born here in this part of the chapter two, where we see it. I guess the order has just been given and there are people that are carrying that order out. And uh, so so Moses is born. We don't see his parents name here in chapter two. Uh, we find out in Exodus chapter six, verse 20, that his father's name was Amram and his mother's name was Jochebed. And uh, so so Jochebed here, she has this child and she sees that it's a boy and she just, you know, as any mother would, she can't uh, stand the idea of this child being taken from her, much less being thrown into the river and killed. And so she she begins to devise this plan to, you know, how am I going to save this child? How am I going to keep him safe? Isn't that what every parent worries about? How am I going to keep my children safe? And uh, that, that, that's just the challenge. It may not even just be our children. It may be nieces, nephews, others that, that are in our care. But when we have young people that, that we feel responsible for, we worry because we say, how are we going to keep them safe? Especially as the world just continues to seem to get more and more dangerous. Uh, and, and, and maybe we just see it more, but it just it feels like it's just so much more dangerous. We worry. How am I going to keep them safe? Well, Jochebed had that challenge. She had it in a very real way because if she didn't do something, this child was likely to be taken from her and thrown into the river and, and, and offered as a sacrifice to the gods. And as a secret way or a un underhanded way to try to reduce the Israelites' numbers. So that's kind of the situation we're in. This, this child is born, and Jochebed is, is forced with this, this situation. She says, I don't know what to do. But notice what, what she, you know, what she does. She does you know, whatever she can at first. Uh, it says, and we should get oh let's see. Did I skip over two? Oh, two was right there in it. Um, to hit him three months. Let's get over that last line. She hit him for three months. So for three months, she's able to kind of keep him quiet and 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 fed and and happy. And uh, apparently, at, at three months, um, Moses was a screamer. I, that's all. I, that's all I can guess is he must have been a screamer. Any of you ever had a, a screamer among your children? Uh, you understand what I'm talking about. You know that uh, uh, you can certainly run to them and see what's going on when they're uh, when they start to cry. 
but uh, there's no way to prevent that ahead of time. There's no way to, to stop that from happening. Um, and that's apparently after that three-month period, Moses got, you know, as, as babies do, uh, got to where he was a little bit too noisy for him to be able to hide it. You know, it was going to be obvious to people around, wait, there's a child over there. You mean uh, Jacobed and Amron have, have a child? Let's go see what they're doing and, and why they're, uh, what's going on in there? Why didn't they tell us they had a child? And uh, so they're, they're trying their best to keep it quiet, but you just can't keep babies quiet. And it says she could, when she could not longer hide him, she took him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch. She basically built him a little tiny boat. Now that word ark is a word that just means a box. It's exactly, it's the same word that's used uh, when, it's, when it talks about Noah and the, the, the thing he built uh, for his family and the animals to go into that ark. Uh, we talk about Noah's Ark. It's the same word there. It means a box. So she built him uh, a miniature ark. You know, it didn't have all the levels, I'm assuming, that the, the Noah's Ark did. It didn't have any animals in it. But it was a box. It was a, a boat. It was something that she could place him in and uh, put him on the water. And uh, it says, well, she daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Can you imagine the difficulty that would be to take your child, like you just made a handmade boat out of, out of brushes and then you covered it with slime and, and tar to try to seal out any water to get in it. And you're putting your precious three month old baby in there and going to sit it in the water and hope that it floats. Can you imagine the amount of, of, of anguish and, and anxiety that she'd be covering at that moment to say, oh, I hope this works. Man, I mean, I'm sure she tested it in smaller water. Maybe they had some some buckets or pitchers or something that she's seen. But she's about to put her her baby in that thing and sit it in the water. So she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. She went and she found an area that had the you know some of the uh, uh, things growing up in it, and she placed it in the water there, hoping that that would obviously the 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 flags the the things that have grown up the plants that are there would keep it from getting out into the river. Can you imagine if, if for some reason that water has sucked it out in the river and, and then it's taken off down? There were so many unknowns for her. There were so many what ifs, so many things that could go wrong. And yet all of those were out of her command, out of her control. But yet she knew one thing. She wanted to save this baby. She knew that, that God would want her to save this baby. She knew that this was the right thing to do. And when she knew it was the right thing to do, she said, okay, God, I, I can't control all these things. There are a lot of things that have to happen that, that, that's going to have to be miraculous here. But I'm going to do what I can do to be obedient to what I know God wants me to do. And that's what she did. She took this baby. She made a handmade boat. She got it as waterproof as she knew how. And she placed her precious baby in it. And she went and put it in the safest spot she could find on the river. One that hopefully wouldn't suck it out into the, into the stream and, and carry it down. Somebody would let it sit there. Maybe she'd go back and check on it and probably going to try to get it at night and feed it. I don't know what her exact plan was, but she's like, God, I got to do something. You know, she could have just kept it in the house and said, okay, we're going to pray really hard that God just, just keeps him quiet. But she knew that, that, that you know, babies cry. That, that's, what it, that, that's what happens. That's the natural thing. So she didn't, she didn't just try to, you know, say, oh, we're, you know, it would have sounded really pious. Say, we're just going to trust God to, uh, to keep these baby screams from being heard. Would have, would have sounded really pious. But instead she said, no, I'm going to do whatever I can do. And then I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to put it out there and let him be the one uh, to take it from here. I just, I'm amazed at Jochebed's faith. And I wonder sometimes, what if she hadn't had the faith to do that? What if she had not been willing to say, no, I, I can't put that baby out there? You know, we reach that time sometimes with our children knowing 
when it's time to kind of let God, uh, let God take control, let God kind of guide them and, and protect them. We go, no, I, I still want to be involved. I still want to, I want to control the situation. To kind of say, okay, God, I'm, I'm putting you in your hands. I lamented uh, several weeks ago as my children are getting older, uh, all in their you know lower to mid twenties. Uh, how you know as they become adults, uh, or I guess they're already adults. It's hard to admit that as they're adults and they're kind of moving into different stages of their life. It's so hard to sit back because I don't even know all the dangers they're facing. I don't even know all the, the things they're up against because, you know, they're, they have their own lives. now. And sure, I see them a lot. I still give a lot of input. I, I want to be there for them. But I, all I can do at this point is trust God. Let him say, God, I need you to protect them. I need you to be with them. I need you to, uh, to, to guide them. That's the point we reach so many times in our lives. Whatever the situation we're up against and we say, I don't know how to handle this. That's when we have to say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you give me direction to do, and I'm going to have to leave the rest of you. I'm going to let you take control of the rest of this. You know, it's amazing what God can do when we let him. It's amazing what God can do when we finally stop trying to do it ourselves. I can look back in my own life so many times and see situations that I think God could have fixed it a lot sooner, but I was still trying to do it on my own. I was still trying to make this work. I was still trying to, I, I can get this. And then we have to say, okay, God, you do it. It's time for you to, to, to take over. That's where she's at. That's where Jochebed is at. She says, okay, God, I'm doing the only thing I know to do. I'm going to put him here in the river. I'm going to put him as, as safe a place as I can get. And we're going to sit back and we're going to watch and we're going to pray. We're going to hope. We're going to see what you're going to do. And we're going to be ready to act when you give us direction, but we're just going to have to put him in your hands. And notice what it says. And uh, oops, today. Yeah, I wanted to look at this first. first. She placed him. That's what it was. She laid him in the flags by the river's brink. She put the child there. I want you to focus on those, that phrase for a second. She put the child in the boat, in the ark, and she laid it in the river. That's the, the moment of truth. The moment of saying, okay, God, now I'm trusting you. She had to take her hands off. She had to back away. And that's the moment she really, truly said, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. You know, the next verse I want us to look at there is 1 Peter I'm sorry, his Psalms, chapter 55, verse 22. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Let that sink in for a second. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Realize we have a God that says, I want you to give me your burdens. I want you to give me the things that you can't overcome and let me overcome them for you. I want you to come to me when the, situ when the situation seems hopeless and trust that it's not. He wants us to cast our burden upon the Lord. That word cast there uh, in, uh, in Psalm 55, uh, 22, um, you know, let me back up a second. I got my notes out of order here, um, is, uh, is a word that means to throw out, to throw it down or to throw it away. Um, it means it literally means to say, okay, I'm done with it. Anybody ever had that situation where you you fiddle with something so long, like I'm gonna fix this, I'm gonna make it, and finally you're just like, drop it, I'm done with it, I, I can't do this anymore. That's what he's saying. He's saying, cast your burden alone, just throw it away, get rid of it. That's what Jacobed was doing. Yeah, she wasn't throwing her son away in that sense, but she would say, okay, God, I, I can't do anymore. I can't keep him quiet. I can't. Uh, I can't control the people around me and, and who might be listening that, that wants to obey the orders of the Pharaoh. I can't control any of that. So I'm just I'm placing it in your hands. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain. 
you have a situation you're facing, a burden, uh, a problem, did you say, okay, God, I just need to give this to you? That's my challenge to you today. Cast it to him. Throw it. Drop it. First Peter, where I was getting ahead of myself here a moment ago, um, First Peter 5, 7, Peter makes a similar statement. He says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, obviously, Peter, Peter's gospel is written in, in the Greek, and uh, that passage in Psalm was written in the Hebrew, so it's not the same word, but it's the same idea, and it's, it's a very similar word, because obviously they have the same interpretation in, in, the, in the English. But the word casting that Peter uses uh, is one that means to throw upon, to, to place it on, just to, to throw it on it. And, uh, you know, as if you, you have something, you're just going to say, okay, I'm just throwing it, throwing it on the bed. You know, I don't know about you. Sometimes that's the way I'm just a, a bunch of clothes. Like, I don't know what to do with these anymore. Just throw them out there. You say, just, just throw it. And Peter's a fisherman. Remember, he knows what it means to cast something. He knows what it means to just throw it out there. He's had these nets uh, when he wants to catch the fish. And he has to just kind of throw that net out in the ocean and then pull it back. He's saying, just, just cast it, throw it. Throw all your cares upon him. Why? Because he careth for you. We have a God that can do miracles. We have a God that can work wonders, and he cares about you. To me, that's the, the most amazing thing out of all of this. Notice, <coughs> says, she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Jochebed, she had to do that. She had to just give him to Jesus, give him to God. Uh, to, for in her case, give it to Yahweh. Give it, give it to our God and look again. That's how she knew him. That's how they related to him. And that's the name they used. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. Let you handle this situation. Notice also that his sister stayed, stayed behind and watched. They weren't just, uh, okay, God, it's all you. I'm off to do something else. They, they were still worried. They were still uh, anxious, I'm sure. And they're, they're still saying, okay, we're going to do everything we can. We're going to stay close by. Now, Miriam couldn't, uh, Miriam, I don't know where that name came from. Um, uh, Jacobed couldn't stay close by. You know, obviously there's this mother standing there and then a baby that probably draw the connection there pretty quick. They're like, well, his sister, nobody will think about that. So his sister kind of stands by and she's watching and say, okay, what, what's God going to do? You know what? That's our role when you're up against challenges that you don't know what to do, how you're going to overcome them and how they're going to work out. Our job is to sit back and say, okay, what's God going to do? What, what can God do? What is he going to do? I want to sit here and watch. I'm going to be waiting, anticipating. See, they didn't just throw it out there and say, okay, God, I don't really think you can handle this, but this is all I know to do. They walk off. They trusted. They said, okay, God's going to do something. Let's sit and wait now and see what it is. They clearly didn't have the full picture. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen. They're like, God's going to do something here. We're trusting him. We're waiting for that. That's how it is with us. When we give our cares to God, we're not to pull them back and say, okay, God, I'm going to worry about them again for a little while and then give them back to you. We're not to, to do that game. But we are to say, okay, God, now I'm going to sit back and I'm going to watch you work. I'm going to keep praying about this, and I'm going to keep watching, and I'm anticipating, expecting that you're going to do something because God says that he will. So the sister stood afar off to see what was going to be done. And it mentions the, uh, the Pharaoh of daughter, one of his daughters, uh, which he would have had uh, many, um, came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. So she comes out to, to, to bathe here at this river and, and has her little entourage of attendants, people that are taking care of her uh, servants. And she sees this thing over in the, in the, the brushes there. She's like, well, wait a minute, what is that? Somebody go get that and bring it to me. But it, it, her, her curiosity was piqued. <clears throat> when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept. She had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She knew right away when she saw it why this baby was in the river. 
it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a surprise to her. I mean, obviously seeing a baby in the river it may have been a little bit of a shock for a moment, but as soon as she realized, saw her, that baby crash, she's like, I know what this is. Daddy's been telling people to, to kill these babies and, and, and some mother wasn't willing to do that. It didn't, it didn't, you know, it wasn't uh, odd for her to see that. She, she, she understood why a mother would, would place a baby in this situation because it was so much better than death. And uh, so she sees it and she's, oh, this is one of the Hebrew children. And that's when Pharaoh's, uh, when uh, Moses' sister kind of steps in and uh, she comes you know, walking up to Pharaoh's uh, daughter, sees her there with a the child. And she says, oh, you want me to go, go find a Hebrew woman that, uh, that, that can nurse the baby for you? And uh, you know the story, as we said, we went through it there. Pharaoh's daughter says, yeah, go. And uh, who, does, who does his sister go get? But his very own mother, his mom. You know, it says, the Pharaoh's daughter said in her, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. Woman took the child and nursed it. See, God took Jochebed's problem that was too big for her. Jochebed's problem that she really didn't have an answer to. She hid it for three months, and they're like, this isn't working. Have you ever been there? You've been tackling a problem and facing a, 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 something in your life, and you say, I've been working on it for a while, and it's just not working. What I'm doing isn't getting there. And, and he took that problem, and he turned it into a, a source of resources. Not only does she get her baby back to, to, to live with her for a while, not only is his life spared, but she gets to bond with him. She gets to nurse him as an infant, continue nursing him as an infant. And on top of that, she gets paid for it. The Pharaoh's daughter is going to give her wages for taking care of her own child. Now, is that not an amazing God? This says, you know what? I can take the situation that seems dire, the situation that seems impossible, the situation that seems uh, doomed to end in this baby's death, and I can turn it into something that you never even imagined. Not only will you keep this child and nurse this child, not only will he, he survive, but you'll actually get paid to, to, to be able to bond with your own child, teach him and raise him. And then it mentions, you know, that, that you know, later in the next verse that she then takes him back to Pharaoh's daughter. That would have been a period of time. They would have raised the child and, and got it weaned and, and probably would have even been, you know, on up to a couple of years. When you look at some of the uh, other uh, examples from that time period or from the his history in that uh, those ages and how the uh, I'm trying to think what they called it in the in the textbooks. But it was kind of a, uh, an adoption process when they would find a, an abandoned child like that. And uh, so there were times, uh, there was a period of time when the, you know, they would have it take care of, and then the, the one who's adopting it would then take it in. So it's very likely that she got to raise Moses for several years of his life. She got to, to teach him the way of the Hebrews, to teach him who his people really were. So by the time he goes to be Pharaoh's daughter, he actually understands who the Hebrews are and who he is and, and what he's going into. Now, he probably didn't understand all of that, but as he got older, he had that relationship with his mother and with his father and with his sister that was able to, to kind of build that into him, exactly what God was doing in his life. They had no idea God was raising up Moses to come deliver the people out of, out of bondage, out of slavery. They just know we need to do something here. And God was at work. God was already at work. He was doing something even bigger than they imagined. All they had was, we need God, we need to solve this one problem. God solved it in, a, in an amazing way. And he, already, he was doing something else at the same time. And maybe you're worried because you don't know what action to take next. You say, Chuck, I don't know where to go with this. I don't know what else to do. I don't know the, the next step. I don't know the, the, the art to build. I don't, I don't have that step. You know what? We need, sometimes we need to give that to God, too, and let him work. So Psalm 37, verses 3 to 5 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. He's, he's challenging the people there, saying, This is our agreement, that if you'll trust in me, I'll take care of you. He goes on to say, Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. 
trust also in him, he shall bring it to pass. He says, he'll give you what you need to know. See, Jochebed didn't know what to do, but she did what was available to her, and she pushed little baby Moses out into God's care in that river. See what, see what God can do? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take it away and nurse it for me. I just love that. And I'll give thee thy wages. And, and she did. That's what God can do. It goes on to tell us that the child grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. He, she, she continued that process, and he was her child now. But God already created that bond with, with Moses and his family and Moses and his mother. And because Jochebed was willing to trust God, because she was willing to push him out there in that river and say, okay, God, I, I've done everything I know to do. He's yours now. I need you to work. You know, when we get to that point where we don't have anything to do, we don't know anything to do but just sit back and let God take control, many times that's right where we need to be. So she called his name Moses. She said, because I drew him out of the water. I won't go into that, but there's a really neat thing about that name, that, uh, that name Moses, which would, would have been a, an Egyptian name here, uh, which means to beget, means to, to, to come from. It was a very common, uh, uh, I said I wasn't going to do that, it was a very common uh, name part, even the names like, uh, Tut Moses uh, was one of their pharaohs, which meant uh, begot from Tut. Um, Ramesses uh, was uh, even that, that the M-E-S-E-S Ramesses, uh, which we would just say Ramses. But uh, that, that Mises at the end is really that same word Moses uh, because he it was, it was Ra, Mises, begot from Ra. Ra was one of their gods. So, so it was a common name part. Moses just gets begot. He just he's here. He, he just so he appeared. God had him in the right place. God was doing something. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. I probably may do a little something on the Facebook or something this week to kind of play more on that because it's a beautiful story. I just God gives him this name through Pharaoh's daughter, meaning to be to be to beget something or to be gotten from. And uh, but that's what God can do. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's our part. Our part is to trust him. Our part is to give it to him, to, to, to hand it to him and not try to pull it back. To not give it to him and say, okay, God, I need you to do this, and here's how I want you to do it. It's, okay, God, I need you to do something, and I'm going to sit and wait for my next instruction. All that ways acknowledge him. He shall direct that path. He'll give you that next step. He'll tell you what you need to do next. So many times he tells us what we need to do, and we just don't want to do it, so we keep waiting for something else. No, God, give me something else. I don't really want to do that. That's too hard. That's too difficult. That's uh, not, not what I had planned. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be careful for nothing. With everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul here is saying we're not to be, we're not to be worried about everything. That word careful means anxious. Some of the translations put it that way. Be anxious about nothing. We're not to, to be worried and, and fretful because we're just to, to give it to God. We're just to talk to God. Say, okay, God, I need your help here. And thanksgiving and prayer and supplication, we're saying, okay, God, here's, here's what I'm up against. I need you to do something. Notice what it promises as a result of that. The peace of God passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. He'll give us the strength we need. That's tough. Now, I'm guessing if you talked to Jochebed that day, peaceful is not one of the words she would have used to describe herself that moment as she's placing her three-month-old infant in a handmade boat and putting it out in the, into the, the, the river's water. And hoping that the, nothing sucks it out of, through these reeds and these, these plants have grown up. She's trusting God. She has faith. That's how she's, she's getting that, that peace from God. So, okay, God, I'm, I'm trusting you 
to do something. I imagine she was terrified. I imagine she was really concerned. She's placing her faith in God. She's doing what's necessary. She's like, okay, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. She trusted that God could do what she was unable to do. In this case, protect Moses. And she was able to rest in that faith. That's what he says. Well, he'll, he'll give us the peace of God to keep our hearts and our minds. Lastly, I want us to look at that verse from Psalms again. Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Are you up against something you need to hand over to God? Are you up against something that's, that, that's too big for you to handle? That's when he's ready for you to say, okay, God, I'm going to cast it on you. I'm done with it. I'm giving it to you. And then I'm going to watch. And I'm going to see you work. And I'm going to be obedient when you give me a part to play of this. And I'm going to let you handle this. See what God can do with our faith. See what God can do when we finally hand things over to him and let him play the role that he's supposed to play in our lives instead of us playing that role. I hope as you go through this week, you give us some thought. Whatever those obstacles are in your life, whatever those burdens are in your life, whatever those things are that you say, okay, God, I need help getting past this. Maybe it could be anything. Say, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. Let's practice doing that. Sometimes it may be something we have to do over and over again. Say, God, I know I said yesterday I was giving that to you, and then I went and kind of worried about it all day long. I'm giving this to you again. I'm bringing this to you and letting you work. Let's remember Jacobus standing there, placing Moses in the water. Say, okay, God, I need you to do something. Let's have that kind of faith. Say, okay, God, I'm, I'm putting it out there. I'm letting you take control. Because God can work. He is working in your life, even if we don't see it. And it's amazing what God can do. 